Love Talk Radio. Just be thankful for what you got. Though you may not drive a great big Cadillac, diamond in the back, sun top, digging in the scene with a gangster man, gangster white wall. TV and television in the back. Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way. And that's what we do over here in Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
you know, 1533 North Norfolk, you know, here where my grandpa put this building together for us. And I decided to come and deal with uh, black media because as some of you guys know, uh, the other media, white media, sometimes they tell it their way. So we tell it our way over here. You know, we unrestricted, unfiltered, and uh, we want you to support us in, in our endeavors of what we do. And also, you can go to KBOB 89.9 FM. Those of you out there riding around in your cars or in your homes, tune in because we got a great show going on today. Uh, <clears throat> Greg Robinson for mayor. Yeah, he's going to be in here. And also, the lady herself. Let's reelect Vanessa Hall Harper for city council. She's in here right now, and we're going to be joining up with her in just a little bit. So we want to get behind all of these uh, politicians who are going for office who represent us. You know. Meanwhile, I want to let you guys know that we're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Tune in. Or you can live stream with us at kbob899.com. Now, go to the uh, the website. KBOB899.com because we got a lot of stuff going on over there. We have nonprofits. We do things for, for kids and we try to help out our community in the best way we know how to do. So we want we need that support and we just want you to go there and uh kind of help us out. Help us with these kids and these youth. And it's not for me, it's for them. You know, so uh we want you to do that. Okay, we're gonna take a little break. And I'm going to come back with Vanessa Hall Harper. She's in the building. She's going to be sharing some information with you. And we want you to tell a family member, tell a friend, tell somebody to tune in. Okay, we'll be right back.
increase in the young people. Exactly. It's killing everybody. Yeah. It it is. And and there are and the younger generation are the spreaders. I was down on Greenwood yesterday and a couple of young brothers, probably in their late teens, early twenties, uh, was getting some food over at one of the age next generation and they had masks on and they came out and I said, Hey young brothers, black men, thank you so much for wearing your mask mm-hmm. because it's that age group uh that's doing more of the spreading, but they are they are also uh, asymptomatic more. They mm-hmm. they have it, but they they're not uh, feeling the effects of, of it. Mm-hmm. But you can still spread it. And so I appreciate when I see the younger generation uh, wearing masks yeah. and 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 you know following what the ordinance says mm-hmm. and just showing that they care not only about themselves but they care about their community. Yeah, and that's a good thing right there. We gotta mm-hmm. spread this because I think if a lot of people would put on masks, use hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. and more and more do that, then we can knock this thing on down. Absolutely. You it, know, we can, can flatten that curve. Flatten that curve. And there's been a spike and increase here in Oklahoma. Woo. Big time. I'm, I'm very leery that, that we may end up having, because the numbers are cons- consistently increasing of positive cases, we may have to shut down again. Yeah. You know, and we were doing well mm-hmm. uh, as a state. But, you know, Trump, Brought his crazy ass up in here. Yeah, he did. And, he brought his ass and, up in here and crazy. And started it off. And then there's other, you know, other mm-hmm. large-scale events that's taking place. There's several going on this weekend. And I just hope, you know, I just hope and pray people are being safe, um, you know. I'm even finding, I'm hearing the spike of people and increases here in District 1 of some people I know. Because before, I wasn't hearing about nobody. Yeah, and we, and we were know. thinking, you know, yeah. people, oh, we ain't getting to me. Getting... I don't know nobody. I've yeah. heard people say, I don't know nobody I... Well, guess what? I know several people. I know several people right now <laughs> who people. have COVID-19. Yeah. And not just know, yeah. my family and people I love. Yeah, people, your, your family members <laughs> and stuff that have come down with it. Yeah. I'm saying to myself, oh, man, it's yeah. kind of crazy. Well, we got to do our best to help curve this disease mm-hmm. that's taking place and taking so many lives here in the U.S., you know, so be safe. I mean, we sanitize everything up here. We do it all. I mean, it's That's constantly right. done. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, plenty of that mm-hmm. just sitting around, as you can see. Yes. And uh, we want to make sure everybody's safe and stuff like that. But we want to still be able to get our word out there right. and still do things. Vanessa, you born and raised here in Tulsa. Born and raised. Right, right. What school did you go to? Uh- I went to Robert Frost Elementary School. Robert Frost. From first to sixth grade. Back then, sixth grade went all the way up. I mean, elementary went up to sixth grade. We actually had a graduation uh, in sixth grade. And then I went to Edison Middle School, Uh seventh and eighth grade, and Edison High School, ninth and twelfth. Okay, great, great, great. I'm an eagle. You're eagle. That's right. Edison, we used to play the Eagles (laughs) when I was over at Amazon. You know, football. It was fun. Quite fun and stuff like that. But you (laughs) have been in the community, and you've been active, and you've been doing the work. You know, for years now, mm-hmm. it's not like a first time startup. And, you no. know, you've uh, tell us some of the earlier projects that you worked on, even before you became an elected official. Mm-hmm. What were you doing in the trenches? I call people like yourself frontline soldiers. Yes. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the, the uh, pretty big projects we had, you know, we know uh, in the previous administration, under the Bartlett administration, uh, that's when a lot of our recreation buildings at our parks were were defunded and 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 bc franklin was even demolished right and so the community was in a uproar about that i mean protested uh uh the the mayor at that time allowed uh city uh uh contractors to come in and demolish bc franklin park the recreation building uh in the dead of night 
Yeah, at nighttime. You, so you knew it was. You knew that was messy. You knew that was wrong because yeah. that's what you do. You do dirty they, at night. Like they snuck in. Yeah, there, they huh? snuck in at night and did it. Because uh, when they knew people, because if if people they sleep. yeah, people were awake during the day. You knew that they community would have went down there and shut that down. Yeah. So you do boy, it. Snakes. Yeah, that's it. That's mm-hmm. it in the dark. And so, uh, so the building, of course, was gone. But for several years after that, uh, the 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 space, the park, set dormant. I mean, at, I, at that time, I would say it looks like Beirut over there. I mean, it just, you know, there's nothing sitting up right in the middle of, of, of a community. And so we started working with that. I, I met with the, uh, the city parks director at that time and told her, look, what needs to happen so that we can move forward and, and, and make this park a, a usable park for the community? And so we started that process. We had some uh, community meetings. I call community meetings because, you know, back then they would say, oh, well, the community just don't care. When we have meetings, no one shows up. And they tried that. And, and no one showed up at a meeting. I said, well, did you notify anyone? And they put a one-yard sign out on the day of the meeting, headed towards, because uh, at that time we were meeting at the uh, historical building at Booker T. Mm-hmm. And I said, and that's how you got the word out? I said, no, you, what you're going to do is you're going to reschedule that meeting. Call me back because she, she, she was supposed to let me know when that meeting was, but she didn't. She forgot, and I believe she did. <clears throat> but then I went up. I said, no, you're not fixing to just move because at that time they, was, they were just going to decide what the community, what was going to go into that part. And I said, no, we're not going to do that. I said, Sched- reschedule that meeting and let me get the word out. Mm-hmm. I got the word out, and it was standing room only in there. Mm. Standing room only. Now, what year was that? This was in 2014. 2014. 20- when I just got back. Yeah. 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 2014, 2015 in there. Community got engaged. We, we we selected through that meeting a group of about 10 to 12 community members with the Neighborhood Association over there, Jared Whiteman, Joe Lewis Neighborhood Association over there. And we started meeting every two weeks. No, I'm sorry, every week at first. And then we broke it up to every two weeks, mm-hmm. but every single week. And we engaged with the Parks Department and we went. In, in the the group engaged with the with the community as as a whole, and we learned what we wanted and we decided what we wanted in that park. Mm-hmm. Found out what the budget was. We also first thing we did is we did a, we demanded an audit of the funding of that park to to determine so we would know what really happened because there were a lot of rumors, uh, some of which were true, uh, of how the how, where the funds were going to our parks and what was happening. To the defund- in the defunding of our park, and so we went through that process, and 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 this was well documented. Uh, we and I even uh, at that time organized a bus tour, because so we had people packing up in, on a city bus. I had reached out to the city councilor at that time to organize a city bus because they have the authority to do that. So we people can get on the bus, and we drove around the city parks to see what was available. What what are the possibilities of reimagining what BC Franklin Park would look like? Mm-hmm. And we did that packed that bus out. We even had people following in cars. We would, we went to about five different parks throughout the city of Tulsa. And then we came back in a meeting and we decided what we wanted. And we designed that park as it is today. The idea of the park being uh, a, a themed park themed as with Black Wall Street because of Buck Colbert Franklin and his, Franklin and his legacy. Mm-hmm. All of that came from the community, man. That was community that induced. That was community driven. And I've led that effort. Um, and I think that's when, you know, when, when the word got out that, you know, you got someone that's, that's, that's knowledgeable of city government, because of my degrees in political science, um, and want to work and lead and, and show some progress in our community. And that's kind of, you know, that's one of the big events that, uh, our activities that we did uh, and accomplished something good for that, our community that, that people saw. 
B.C. Franklin Park. B.C. Franklin you know, Park. I remember B.C. The reimagining of B.C. Franklin Park. Huh? The reimagining of it. Because okay. I, I used to go there when I was a kid. You so went there too, It was huh? here a long well, time you know, before me. You know, I remember B.C. Franklin Park as, when I was a kid. And the building, we would have dances often there. Basketball. And we would set up the bands on Sundays and just play for free all day long. And, you know, the the community would come together Mm -hmm. down there and just have fun. There were some Juneteenth celebrations down there. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I I remember the Juneteenth celebrations and everything. And so it's so historical and so connected to our community that we just, we can't afford to let that just, Fly by. Right. You know, and I commend you. And though I wasn't here at the time when you guys were going through all of the, mm-hmm. the, the work and stuff, but I was hearing about what was going on and what you guys were doing, uh, you and Christy and mm-hmm. Kevin Ross and all Chief, of the chief yeah. and mm-hmm. whoever else was involved. Oh, yeah. There's so many. Probably you can't name them all. You can't. You know. We and, can't. Um, and we had our, our elders, Margaret Love. And, yeah, Miss Love, and, yeah. And, and Mama Joyce. And, yeah. In the struggle. For, all, always. Front Even line, today. Frontline soldiers, That's it. you know, still doing it in the, in the struggle. But that was such a good thing. Now the park has been, uh, they've got some things down there. Mm-hmm. Basketball court. I think uh, the Thunder yep, got the dedicated thunder. that. Yep. And themed. The themed the basketball yeah, themed and you got some other things down there mm-hmm. that youth can do. Yep. So You know, one thing I'd like to see down there? Mm-hmm. Now, it's just my idea. <clears throat> I'd like to see a stationary stage down there. Mm-hmm. You know, to where young entertainers, dancers, poets, and stuff could come down there and just perform, you know, just on the stage, mm-hmm. you know, on a, on a regular basis for entertainment mm-hmm. and socialism, you know, as mm-hmm. well as being able to, you could go down there and speak mm-hmm. on the stage, mm-hmm. a platform, have rallies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just an idea for some of our city parks that we have around the city, B.S. Roberts Park, because mm-hmm. we're always having to rent a, a stage mm-hmm. to have an event. We got to mm-hmm. go rent a stage. Mm-hmm. But if we had one that was just mm-hmm. there all the time, mm-hmm. no telling, you know, what could happen mm-hmm. out of that. It's just my idea. Mm-hmm. But you were there, and that's one of the projects that you took upon, and uh, it happened. Mm-hmm. You're able to have make it happen. Yeah. And another and another big one was the creation of the African American Affairs Commission. Oh yeah. Now, I, I, I remember when you guys <laughs> were doing that one. Yeah. I had been here by then. I heard right. they said they're trying to because the previous administration mayor, they didn't want to have it. Nope. At all. They they So they how did you guys to the curve? How did you come up with that one? We well, the reality is that uh through the Tulsa Human Rights Department at that time, um, there were multiple commissions uh that were based on Ethnicity or or or, or, or uh, demographics. So, for example, the Native American uh, commission. commission been in existence for at that time some forty years. Wow. Uh, the the Hispanic Commission been had been in existence for fifty years. Oddly enough, the Hispanic Commission was older than the Native American Commission, and then of course you had the the uh, the Status of Women Commission, which is primarily you know status of women, white women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but we never had an African-American. We never had a black commission. Even with, with our black elite elected officials being in office, right? Why do you think so? Hey, man, I don't know. I mean, I Why can't... wouldn't a black elected official wouldn't want an African affairs or, commission? Or just notice yeah. that, we did, that we weren't represented. And when I brought this up, that it wasn't I, that was not the first time someone had mentioned and acknowledged it. It's just that whenever it was brought up, 
it was just kicked to the curb. And so the difference in our movement is that we didn't allow them to kick it to the curb. We start, we met, we went in face to face, had conversations with the leadership at that time. The mayor was Mayor Bartlett, and we said, "This is what we want to see. This is what we demand. You have it for these other uh, 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 demographics, for these other populations. Why not the African American community, which is the largest uh, minority? I hate that word, but because uh, we're not a minority, but in this in this community, and and they." tried to procrastinate, kick us to the curb. So we went, we took it to the streets. We started protesting. And so that's when I started getting the reputation as being divisive. But I'm going to always, uh, with any effort, with any, with any initiative, go to the power structure, the powers to be, and diplomatically say, this is what we would like to see. This is what we want. And if the door is shut in our face, which most of the time it is, especially in this community, then I'm going to fight for that. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake about it. I've, all, I've, I've attempted to handle it diplomatically mm-hmm. and professionally. Mm-hmm. Taking it to the streets is, is our plan B. And so that's what we did. We took it to the streets and we protested well over a year. And at that time, our elected official, our city council at that time, was against us. Was fighting against yeah. you. He said we didn't need, we didn't need a, a, a black commission. Uh, he was the voice for the black community. I'd heard that before too myself. He you know? said it on the news, came yeah. out of his mouth. And I'm like, wow. And so it's just a different leadership style is yeah. what it is. And my leadership style is to engage the community. Everything with the park, I didn't go in there and say, let me tell you what the park, what the community need. No, I engage the community. It takes longer to do that. It's easier for an individual just to make that decision on his or her own. But that doesn't engage the community. It does not raise the awareness of the community. And it does not involve the community. When the community feels like they have played a, a part in making the decisions of what takes place in their lives and in their community, then they are more supportive of it. And they're activated. They're engaged. And that's what I do. And every turn, I try my best to engage as many people in my community as possible on any decision that's going to impact their, their life, their quality of life. Which is the best way to do it's it. It's the best way to do it. Because you can get some feedback. Exactly. You know, just from like your community that you didn't even think about. Didn't you know. even think about. Just, yeah. Prime example with the park, doing a themed playground that was themed Black Wall Street because of Bolt Cover Franklin and what he did and his legacy of black. I mean, that came from the community. It never even crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, wow, you know, so and that's constant. That's just one. But it, that is in everything, in every initiative, anything we're working on, that's been the case. Because I know I really, I acknowledge that I don't know everything. I don't. And to build bridges, you can't build one by yourself. Cannot. You you have to have people Mm -hmm. and engage with people and share things and and take on, you know, some of those suggestions that they they bring about. Because, you know, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers over at this radio station. I rely on other people like Ramal Brown and my son and Baxter and everybody else to bring some of them ideas over here. Exactly. Because you have to be open-minded to receive all of that type exactly. of stuff, you know, and uh, everybody's not going to always like what you do and right. what you say. You you know? Know, and we're not going to always agree. We're not going to always, but we can agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree. And if what, and if what was selected, or I never said this when they want, we, we decide as a community, okay, we're going to try this. And if it fails, and then those that said, see, I told you it wasn't going to work. I said, okay, now let's try your way. You're right. You know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> that didn't work. Let's try it your way. It's not yeah. like it's not about who wins. Mm-hmm. It's about what's going to work 
most effectively mm-hmm. in this community exactly. to better our lives. That's right. And and so that's that's kind of how I approach things. Yeah. Um. Because you know, like I said, you know, we're people, so you always gonna have people. You know, you gonna have Opposition. people rooting. Yeah, you gonna have people rooting for the Cowboys. You are gonna have people rooting for 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 uh, uh what's that other team? That black and gold. I can't what are you remember. talking about? Them oh, Steelers. Them, them Steelers. <laughs> them Steelers. Yeah. You, now so, you an avid Cowboy <laughs> fan. I'm you, Cowboy you fan. You a diehard huh? <laughs> yes. Cowboy fan. Yeah. Yes, I am. But I, you can I can bet you one thing. I won't be at no games this year. No. No. <laughs> With this COVID I wonder thing. how they're gonna handle that. Too, you know, no I don't idea. know. I have no idea how they're gonna. You handle. know, a lot of universities have canceled. Like my the school, my daughter is, is attending Jackson State University. Right. My alma mater. But yeah, football, all of that, and a lot of uh, universities canceled. The sports department, huh? It's been canceled. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, you know, you can stay here and do your first semester online. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. I mean, football. I mean, if all that's canceled, because that's when you go to that's school the in the fall. Yeah. That's that's, that's what, the fun. Like right? you're going fun. to school, of course, but man, going yeah. to the football games. Watching this kind of Exactly. All, all that, that, that's not happening. All no. that's not happening. So you can stay here, keep working, and, and, and I can watch you and make sure you say Do <laughs> you do your homework? Huh? Yeah. Do what you need to do. And not going to a place where that that's a petri dish for COVID. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the fear. Because um, going to these places where youth, I mean, this so, college is socialized. Ninety percent is socializing. Whether it you're is. in class, it whether is. you're standing on the yard, freedom of life. It, you know. You know. Some of these uh, students are getting away from home for the first time exactly. in their lives, and they're experiencing a whole other lifestyle. Exactly. You know, it's like, and most of that is socializing, socializing with other people, and and that is that's detrimental as yeah. it relates to COVID. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's Great. a concern. Yeah, that's a big concern. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask you the question: um, City Council. Yes. Explain to our audience what a city councilor's job duties are. Okay. So we can have some clarification on. It. We're going to be talking about that on Monday. Okay. Uh, the different positions of uh, senators, state representatives, city councilors, judges. Mm-hmm. We're going to be giving the definition. Me and um, Charles Harper and Damali Wilson mm-hmm. are going to be here on Monday. You told me about that. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about that. Mm-hmm. So our community will actually know because they know Vanessa. Mm-hmm. You know, they know Kevin. They know Regina. You know, they know Janetti. Mm-hmm. But they don't, some of them don't actually know what the job duties are. Mm-hmm. So tell us what the job duties for a city councilor is. Okay. Well, the uh, city council is the legislative arm of local government. Okay. And, and Tulsa in particular, and it can differ in other cities. So the, the people are the ones that decide what form uh, of government will, will exist um, and the powers of, of that government. But um, we have a strong mayor city council form of government. So if you think about it from a, a federal level, the president of the United States, he is the uh, uh, executive of body of government. Then you have the second body of government, which is the legislature or Congress. Um, and they are the ones that write the laws of the country. Well, Tulsa, the city council are the ones that write the municipal uh, ordinances of of government. For mm-hmm. example, we just passed a, a, a mask ordinance where you're, you have to wear a mask in public places. And then the third body of government is, is judicial or justice. And we have a municipal, when you get a ticket, 
And if you want to fight that ticket, you go. That's a municipal court that you 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 go to. City council. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's judges. There's three judges. judges. We have three okay. judges. And so that's the division. And so what yeah. we do is we are the legislators. The mayor is the executor or the executive. So he is, if you want to think of it as a corporation, he is the CEO of the city of Tulsa. And so a lot of people think that the, the city council has power that we do not have. We do not have. And so that's part of educating. That's why I have town halls to try to share this information so people can understand what I really can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. Um, we cannot, I do, I don't ha- we do not have the authority to hire, for example, the, the police uh, chief. Yeah, the or mayor does makes that decision. The mayor, that's part of his executive mm-hmm. yeah, uh, responsibilities and powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with the fire chief. We have no say in that. We don't hire city uh, employees. Mm-hmm. And so then, and that raises a good issue as far as my husband is concerned. I don't, the city council, we don't decide who becomes police officers. We don't decide uh, if they did something they weren't supposed to do. We don't decide any punishment or anything like that. That fully falls within on the side of the executive and the people that he hires, for example, the chief of police, a fire, IMSA director and, and all of that. So those things fall under the, 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 the mayor's power. We pass ordinances uh, that's in the best interest of the citizens. We ultimately vote on zoning, for example. If you want to come out here and, and build an uh, 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 outdoor swimming pool, and right here, in, I mean, there's, there's laws, there's zoning uh, ordinances that you have to comply with. If you want to build a, a 30-foot garage, or something, you, you have ordinances that you have to comply with in order to be able to do those things. The city council is the one. And you guys vote on it. We right? vote on it. We vote on it. There's nine city councilors. The city of Tulsa is divided up into nine districts. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, District 1 is, is my district, uh, and I'm the elected uh, elector of that of that district. And there's, there's eight others throughout mm-hmm. the city. And so, yeah, when these issues come up, it comes before the city council, and each councilor has a vote. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's pretty much, but if you were to go onto the city council website um, and, and you can find all that information, um, but that's basically, it's set up the same way as our federal government in that mm-hmm. there's a president, the mayor is that is would fall in that place. And our state government is the same. The governor is the president, if you will, of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. GT Bynum right the, now is the, the president or CEO of Tulsa. That's right. Just like Oklahoma City has theirs too. Exactly. And other uh, cities have their municipalities. Right. Correct. Exactly. So, do you ever find it uh, difficult to pass certain ordinances amongst your peers? Yes. When you you bring up something and they <clears throat> they go against what you brought up, or is it difficult? Absolutely. Well, no, Vanessa, I don't th- think we need to do this. Or, Absolutely. Or we need to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and and, and it's not always an ordinance. Mm-hmm. It could just be uh, an initiative or an effort that we want to do something about. For example, when the Equality Indicator Report came out in 2018, the first one, uh, we're getting ready to do the third. The third report is getting ready to come out for 2020. But in 2018, uh, we, I, with the support of my community, um, requested hearings to talk about those equality indicators and and why they were there are disparities particularly under the justice initiative as it relates to the black community. Um, And we wanted to hold hearings because within our charter, our city charter, it gives the city council 
the power to do that. So that's a good document for people to read. Every city has a charter. And that charter, we use the term charter, but it's just like the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the federal level, it's like the Constitution of the United States. The cities or municipalities have charters. Mm-hmm. And that lays out the power of how the entire they, city. How does the community obtain that? It's online. All you got to do is look up Tulsa City Charter. That's and it. boom. See? Yep, you can yeah, print you it guys off. heard it, Tulsa City <laughs> Charter. You can print it off and yep. have it for yourself and learn more about uh, what's going on yep. in those positions right there. And our powers, yeah. And our powers. Okay, well, that's a good thing to know. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, that's I how think you... some of our community don't understand the processes. You yes. Know? Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. They don't understand the processes. And yeah. They but... want to know, but they don't understand, know where to go or who to, yeah. you know, who to go to. And, and I mean, and just getting back to your question, you, you as far as uh, we vote nine, we each have a vote. And if we decide on something like that, my vote is just one vote. We got You got to be able to count to five. That's the rule. <laughs> the majority is five. Five. Huh? And, and when we first asked for those hearings, uh, there was there was not a lot of support for it. it there was not. Um, election an election took place and right, then more exactly. and more support came. And we ended up ultimately having that having that uh those hearings those hearings huh yep well great 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 so is anything on the ballot right now anything that you guys about to vote on oh yeah yeah ballot is coming up we have five charter amendments amendments that's going to take place exactly so that charter that i spoke of the only way that that charter can be changed is by a vote of the people see the city council can't just change it on our own even with our nine votes the mayor just cannot change it it has to go to a vote of the people and there are five charter amendments on the uh, ballot, which will be on the ballot on August 25th, in addition to the city council election, as well as the mayor election. Mm-hmm. So again, you can go online, pull all that up, read up on what those suggested recommendations of changing the charter are, so you'll be educated mm-hmm. uh, and to vote on that. Well, yeah, the last day to register is going to be, what, the 25th, uh, something like uh, that? July, 31st, yeah. 31st, 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 yeah. And, um, Register you guys out there to vote, and we want you to get in there and really, uh, you know, one and thing, make sure and, you may have been registered before. Yeah. If you didn't vote, they they can purge you. You can fall off, right? You can fall off the list. So make sure I always tell people call two weeks before and make sure you're still registered. And make sure you may have. Yeah. Okay. Make sure you're still registered. So when you get up there on that day of. Then they won't tell you, hey, your name ain't on there. Yeah, your name you don't, on there. You don't, don't, don't want to run into that. Yeah, so, we don't want to run into that at all. So confirm it, especially if you missed a past election. Okay, great, 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 great. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to be right back. Vanessa Hall Harper is in here. And vote Vanessa, right? Hey, vote for Vanessa. Huh? Vote for Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, we just almost sure you're going to get back in. Yeah. And that's the way I'm feeling. So well, I, you know, I, act, I'm just I, one vote. I campaign just like it's my first time. So yeah. I'm not going to take anything yeah, for granted. For granted, right. You've been doing a great job. Thank you. And continue on doing so and representing our community because you love our community. Already. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, we know that. All right, we're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. We got next coming up, Greg Robinson for mayor. And we're going to be talking to this good brother right here and asking him some questions and uh, uh, finding out what his platform is all about, you know, and we want to do that. So you're on the all new KBOB 89.9 blog talk radio, you name it. We got things going on over here, 1533 North Norfolk, you know, here in the heart of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's we we're gonna be right back, so stick around, okay? Oh. 
What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Oh, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way right here in the heart of Tulsa, Oklahoma, studio, Vanessa Hall Harper. Hey, it's been nice having you in here, Vanessa. A blessing. Thank you again. Yeah, we were going to get you back. Yes. You know, as usual, because we tell our stories our way. That's it. And you've brought a lot of great information here to the community and for the community. So we want to... Just always honor you and what you're all about and what you're doing. And, you know, you always saying, hey, got to tell the people what they want, right? That's it. That's what it is. All right. That's what it is. We're going to tell the people what they want, huh? Give them. Give them what they want. All right. Coming right up, Greg Robinson, y'all. So y'all stick around. We'll be right back in a minute. Now, now, people won't. 
show where we tell our stories our way and that's uh what we want to do just got off off of here with vanessa hall harper you know city council lady uh, she's doing great things in the community in the studio dr mr <laughs> greg robinson how we doing man uh, doing well man always good to be uh, at home. Yeah, you uh, at home at the house. Absolutely. You know that. Nine, that's that's it, right. You that's at the it. crib, man. So feel comfortable. You know what to do. I don't even have to explain it to you. But man, you've been, uh, first of all, tell everybody where you're from, man. Oh, I'm from right here in North Tulsa, that's 29th right. and, and North Lewis. Ooh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I know right where you're at right here. And going back a little bit, your daddy was an activist. Yes, he was. Here in this community. And he was around and about doing some great things. And for people like ourselves who come up under uh, activists, my dad's an activist as well. And we come up. Do you feel any pressure or do you feel any responsibility to continue on with the legacy? Well, I do feel a responsibility to whom much is given, much is required is Mm -hmm. the way that my mom and my dad uh, talked to me. Uh, You know, I followed him, Bobby. I'm sure just as you probably follow, followed your father. And, and so I saw my father at American State Bank uh, giving opportunities to, to, to black folks. I saw him with neighborhood housing services, uh, building homes for low-income uh, Tolsons in the community. I saw him fight on behalf of the black uh, police officers here in Tulsa. I saw him fight for uh, the victims and descendants of the race massacre. And so certainly, uh, there's a, a responsibility to, to carry those things on. But uh, I don't think that he raised me to, to just follow in his footsteps. I think he raised me to be my own man. Uh, it is just simply that sometimes the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so uh, being from Tulsa, coming back here to Tulsa, uh, unfortunately, some of the same things that were being battled by the the Bobby Eaton seniors of the world. Oh my the, goodness! And the, yeah. the Greg Robinson seniors of the world are are, are still uh, there for us to to fight in advance, and, and this is the case. Yeah, it is, and we must honor them and uplift them and continue on. I mean, we sh- like when I was coming up as a kid, I can remember protesting. Yeah. In the sixties and seventies, I was just a little kid yeah. walking around with signs and stuff like that, and here in 2020 still doing the same thing so what are some of the issues that you think that we should try to overcome you know overcome in our community that we could better how how can we better our community as a whole you know when i say community i'm talking about you're running for tulsa mayor as a whole absolutely covid19 bobby has really illuminated some of the issues that we've had uh, we are not as inclusive a uh, economic uh, 
community as we truly could be. We can be much more prosperous than we are. Inclusivity equals prosperity. And I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. We have golden corridors in the city of Tulsa. I'm sure you could name them because I can name them. Yes. You know, South Tulsa areas and, and Midtown areas. And so you have to travel to those areas really to get access to some of the, the finer resources and, and needs that many Tulsans enjoy. Uh, that is not a economic formula that is going to uh, be profitable for us. It's really not profitable now. It's definitely not going to be profitable in the midst and after COVID-19. We have to be much more communal uh, in our development. We have to be much more supportive of small businesses in each area of Tulsa. I'm talking about you shouldn't have to leave the West Tulsa area to get access to uh, your needs uh, or, frankly, to, to go to a, a nice bar and sit down or to go to a nice restaurant and eat. You need to have that in your own area as our economic realities change because, uh, Bobby, the dollar has to circle more times than it's doing in a smaller area than it's been doing. Very similar Black to Wall the Street. success of Black Wall Street. But here's the trick. We always think about Black Wall Street as just a black thing. Black Wall Street is an economic formula that works anywhere, mm -hmm. right? And so that is why my vision and approach is inclusive economic growth that centers our investments in a communal way and creates areas of economic prosperity in each part of the city of Tulsa. If when everybody is able to have some success when everybody is able to live in a community where they have access, uh, then they're spending their dollars more in Tulsa. All of us are going to benefit. Let me ask you a question. If you have to travel to 71st Street to get something, why not just travel to Sand Springs? Right. Why not just travel to Owasso? And it's convenient. It's more convenient. more convenient. And I think a lot of it has to do with convenience. I think we've lost a lot of people in our community absolutely. over here in North Tulsa because out of convenience. A absolutely. You know, and the cleaners and grocery stores and you name it that we don't have economically over in our community. So we get on that expressway right there and just go That's to it. it. And, and so we have a – when you understand that our city is run off of sales tax dollars, which, sure. which is – so it's not how rich you are, Bobby. Yeah. It's not how it's not how much property tax you're paying. They don't have anything to do with no. the city of Tulsa. That's true. It's about how much of your time you're spending buying things within the city of Tulsa. Well, tax I want dollars, you to huh? tax dollars. So, Bobby, mm -hmm. I want you to be able to buy something in any part of the city mm -hmm. that you're in. Mm -hmm. That's the way to continue to raise the, the tax dollars here that we have, and then we can provide the sorts of resources that we know we so desperately need in all these different areas of the city. The other thing, Bobby, is you know people go to church uh, in Tulsa. They have their jobs in the metropolitan area, but then they live somewhere else. Yeah, right. Because sure. they want those that access to those different resources. Mm -hmm. Well, when we bring a more communal feel to economics. Now there's a reason for you to actually live in the city that you're getting everything from. I'm going to tell you when I'm when I'm mayor, uh, I'm going to be demanding oh, that there is sure. a that there is a loyalty, that there's a love for this city, which means spending money 
in Tulsa. But what's going to come along with that is an ability for you as the small business owner, for you as the person living in East Tulsa, West Tulsa, North Tulsa, or South Tulsa, to have a stake in the economic prosperity of Tulsa, for you to get a piece of that pie as well. That's what I believe has been missing, and that's what I want to bring. It has been missing for a while. I mean, because a lot of times when you think of underserved communities, most people just think of North Tulsa. Right. When, when it's West Tulsa, East Tulsa, even some parts of South, South Tulsa, Absolutely. you know, it's inclusive of uh, all of those locations right here. And uh, we need change somewhat in those uh, uh, areas. A lot of times I think that some of our people don't understand that, that why come the city don't build us a grocery store? You know what I mean? But the city don't build grocery stores. Right. They just build the infrastructure maybe for your grocery store if you decide to put one up. But they don't they don't build those. They don't put up cleaners. They don't build grocery stores. They don't put in that economic uh, type of stuff, you know, for our communities. You know, so we have to have the education and the knowledge to, to you know, for them to understand that. Because I've had people ask me that several times, you know, why come we don't, why come they buying them, them ain't put up no grocery store? You know, and I'm like, well, they don't build grocery stores. It's just, you know, just plain and simple. Absolutely, and the, along with that is the, the city doesn't uh, control right the education system. There's a lot of things that system. really impact Tolsons on a daily basis that the city is not directly responsible for. But what the city can do is to create, as you said, the environment and the infrastructure around which there are folks who want to invest in those things. But again, that's why, Bobby, and you preach this all the time, mm-hmm. though the investment has to be a communal investment. And so part of my philosophy is not controlling everything from the mayor's office. My philosophy is actually the exact opposite. It is providing the resource and the impetus for there to be communal wealth building for Mm -hmm. us to lean on our um, institutions that are already existing in the community and build those up so that they can organize around themselves and and build things like co-op grocery stores. I'm glad that we have Oasis coming in and and so proud of the work that uh, Councilwoman Hall Harper uh, has done in, in leading that effort and many others, right? Uh, Rose Washington over at TDC and mm-hmm. countless others. It's 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 phenomenal effort. Uh, but again, notice that we spoke about the councilwoman and TEDC. Those are TDC is actually a CDFI. Those are those are groups that uh, have roots within the community that you lean on from the city perspective and provide them resources because you know they know what to do with those resources. The same thing has to happen in East Tulsa. The same thing has to happen in West Tulsa so that the wealth is being generated from the community and therefore stays in the community and benefits the community. Bobby, Mm -hmm. what good is it to bring in a big box retail store or a big box grocery store and all of that money goes outside of the community? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And Mm -hmm. so we have to not only bring resources in, but it is how we bring those resources in that's so critical and COVID is exposing that Bobby if if we don't have the ability to increase our our business ownership 
uh, of folks who are within the city of Tulsa and living within these neighborhoods and communities, we are not going to survive over the long time. Yeah, we're not. Well, look here. Let's go to the phone lines. I think we got a couple of callers and people. Let's see who we got here. Area code 918-706. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show. Can you hear me? I don't need to mute anything. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, I have a question. We talk about, and thank you for having this show, and thank you, Greg, for being on the show to answer questions from the community. I have a question that relates to what you just spoke about. In the grand scheme of things, we talk about Jinx, Owasso, Big be um, as far as Skyatook and, you know, all those areas, shoulder suburbs, how that county dollars, but we take money and money is actually invested in those communities. But the majority of the people that can afford to live in those communities work here in the city of Tulsa. So in right. essence, they are taking that, their resources drive in every morning from Highway 75 and, you know, the BA, whatever, into the downtown city of Tulsa area, um, all these hospitals, and especially on the north side, we're, we're dealing with social services in our community. They take their money, they sit there eight hours, and they go back to their prospective community and shop there and live there. How do we address that from internally systemic? So if I have a police officer that's working TPD and he's living in Owasso, he's no longer part of our community. So he drives through, you know, probably with, okay, I got to go deal with this today. Or we have someone downtown that's working in City Hall, okay, and they live in Katusa. So they're coming there, okay, they work through their eight hours and they leave and go back to their community. And how do we address that? People say that you can't force a person to live in that community, but we're going to have to make those type of extreme type of decisions as far as keeping the dollars within the city. So I'm going to get off the phone and, you know, I want to hear you talk about how do you correct that? How do you address that within our system? No, it's a great question that you ask, and really what you're bringing up, uh, Miss Sherry, and actually I'm going to bring up some more stuff, Miss Sherry, that uh, I think you're crucial to on the uh, environmental side. Uh, but um, the tax structure that we have is, is, is actually inherently weak. Uh, it is really outdated. Uh, it is one that was built for an economy that ran off of being the oil capital of the world. It, in that time, it made a lot of sense to be run uh, strictly off of, of sales tax. dollars. There was such a boom here in the city. Uh, however, now uh, there definitely is rationale for us to be diversifying, right? Um, the way that we are bringing in uh, taxes. So I think one of the things that you're speaking about is a need to really look at uh, how we diversify the way that we're bringing in funds into the city of Tulsa. But the other thing you're addressing uh, is one that's a little bit more um, human in nature in that if you're providing services um, to city uh, folks, uh, should there be some sort of incentive to actually live inside the city? And And I think both of those are correct. So I think that we can fix this problem on both sides. We can look 
at how we adjust the ways that we're bringing in dollars. Uh, there are certain cities that have wage taxes, meaning that if you're getting your income from inside of a metropolitan area, then the taxes from that actually um, there's a city tax that goes onto that, right? That would that would do a little bit. But the other thing you can do, especially with uh, folks providing city services, is provide incentives uh, for those city employees to actually live inside of uh, the city limits uh, themselves. Those are things that we can do. So um, on one side, you can uh, you know tax uh, to create an incentive to live inside of the city. Uh, on the other side. Uh, you can provide incentives uh, for folks to live inside of the city. But you're absolutely right. Uh, we, in, in so many ways, are being um, bled out uh, from from the Tulsa metropolitan area. But to me, again, it goes back to this uh, underlying basis of uh, what reason do you have to really be uh, loyal? What benefit do you have? Uh, to to live inside of the city of Tulsa and to shop inside of the city of Tulsa and to spend your dollars inside of the city of Tulsa and and we have we have uh, been okay because there's a few of us um, who are fine uh, and so as long as our dollars are able to cover those few the lucky few then we're not worried about whether they're able to cover uh, making sure that uh, the 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 fences and the um, the highway fences on, you know, the north side of town look like the ones on the south side of town. As long as it doesn't matter that our dollars don't stretch that far. It doesn't matter that our dollars don't stretch far enough to make sure that the street lights are on everywhere in the city. As long as they're on in the golden corridors, it's been okay. And so what you're really getting at is the fact that we don't have a, a economic infrastructure, a tax infrastructure uh, that is uh, built to really and benefit everyone within the city of Tulsa. I shouldn't be surprised that you um, are pointing out these gaps. So my question, the follow-up to that is, or just an extension of that is, your your employees that are in the city of Tulsa, the fire department, the um, police department, those new employees that are just starting out, creating some incentive for them to purchase a house in the city of Tulsa, okay, and help build, help them build and say, okay, in exchange for as long as you're working here, this is, these are the expectations, but we're giving you that benefit to improve your livelihood, okay, as well. Those type of small incentives, because you have a lot of people that are employed by the city in some capacity, but they're not making like the $50,000. They, they may, they make forty. 45 on average. I may be over exaggerating that amount, but that entry level to mid level, they're not yep. making the 60 and the 70 like your tenured city yep. employees are. Okay. And to address them, because that, that comes with that comes the, the disparity as far as wealth. You know, I've been here 10, 15 years. I can afford to do this. You're just starting out. You're just going to have to suffer like the rest. And I'm going to make sure I stay here until I retire before I get my job up. So all of that kind of plays into the grand scheme of, you know, the have and the have not. And you drive down Peoria and you see it. There's no covering your eyes and trying to act like you don't see it. It's there. So 
I'm just going to leave that, and I wish you the best. You, I, I, I know your track record, and I'm hoping more people get behind you and support you in this endeavor. So with that, peace and blessings. See you guys the next time. Well, thank you. Um, and, and I will say I actually want to go a step further than, than our caller there. Um, I think she's exactly right talking oh, about correct. the incentives provided. Mm-hmm. But I would also argue that it is a benefit to us to incentivize our educators being in Tulsa as well. There are many educators that educate within Tulsa public schools, that educate within <laughs> union public schools, but they don't live within the city of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, and providing incentives uh, within housing specifically uh, may be a way to attract them into the city and would also help with retaining teachers, which we know uh, is one of the factors that contributes uh, either negatively or positively to to educational outcomes. And so, again, these are the sorts of ideas that you get when you get out there and you talk to people, uh, people who have lived in the city of Tulsa They're for there. a long time mm-hmm. uh, from from the non-prosperous uh, uh, side, right? Just because my 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 checkbook doesn't say I'm, I have uh, prosperity doesn't mean that I don't understand uh, and have a rich perspective to provide. And that's why we have to value the perspectives of everyone and give them platforms and spaces uh, within to, the city to really drive some of these things home. I mean, at the end of the day, the majority of us are not wealthy. Right. The majority of us, uh, according to a court, I was reading CSNBC, mm-hmm. uh, Bobby, the, uh, mm-hmm. just a few days ago, and only 17 percent uh, of Americans are even viewed as upper class. Right. Thirty percent are viewed as low class. Uh, and then that that big 50 percent is is middle class. So the majority of Tolson's, the majority of um, Americans, for that matter, uh, are folks who fall kind of in that barely got or don't got it all. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, those are really, those people are the engines uh, of our, of our city. And so uh, we have to begin to prioritize their perspectives and their needs and give them incentives. Um, as the caller was saying, mm-hmm. uh, it will get us further as a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've got to get back to being leaders, Bobby. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, the city of Tulsa used to be the driver uh, of this region, right? It wasn't just Booker T that was the pride of the great Southwest. <laughs> uh, the city of Tulsa truly was an economic driver for this region. But we've we've been complacent and, and we've been OK with following for too mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to get back to being innovative. We've got to get back to. To, to thinking about um, what do Tolsons need, what do Oklahomans need, what do Americans need to, that want to come here, uh, and, and giving them something to look forward to in a place where they can be prosperous for themselves and for their family. Mm-hmm. So when you become the mayor of Tulsa, uh, what's going to be one of the first things that you do? What One of the first things that you're going to work on, you know? Absolutely. So I, I listen first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it is always diagnosing what is working at the city of Tulsa and who is working effectively. Uh, so that's the first thing. Um, secondly, then sitting down with everyone, city council members, heads of departments, and, and understanding what was the vision, what is the vision, and how do we uh, make that better? How do I bring in uh, the vision that Tulsans voted me in on and incorporate that? You can't just come in and say, 
day one, hey, here's what we're gonna do. That doesn't that doesn't work. That's a that's a that's a dream, right? Uh, but after we get on the same page, uh, then we have to start addressing uh, root problems. We are in the midst of a a pandemic, and so the first thing is to collaborate between the economic sector, between the the health sector, uh, between the education sector and ensure that we have a comprehensive uh, plan that is going to impact and affect positively uh, everyone within the city of Tulsa, regardless of their socioeconomic background, to ensure that we are uh, creating an infrastructure and an environment uh, to be successful uh, getting through and coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's first things first. Now, when you uh, look at what factors we know are going to play into that, You've got to look at housing. We are already entering into a housing crisis. I'm not sure if everyone truly understands that, but when you look and see empty homes and then you see people on the streets, right? When you drive in your neighborhood and you up. see the blight and the number of, of, of blighted houses coming, when you hear people saying, oh, I had to move out to Broken Arrow, oh, I had to move out to Owasso because I couldn't find a home that I could afford that I wanted to live in, that is the beginnings of uh, a housing crisis, and so we have to uh, first address. Uh, I can't, I can't be in Tulsa if I don't have anywhere to live, Bobby. So we have to first address <laughs> finding quality shelter for folks. Then uh, I can't stay in Tulsa if I don't have a job, Bobby. Right. So we have to then create address. We have to create jobs, but we have to create them again in a community, wealth-driven way. And so that's where again leaning on green infrastructure types of jobs, leaning on uh, incur- increasing the, the number of small businesses and entrepreneurial opportunities for folks, um, create spaces where we can bring in job creators, right? And doing that in a way where we're building up communities um, outside, again, of those golden corridors. Then the next step after that is saying, okay, what would impact people's livelihoods and their jobs then, now we got to figure out this public safety piece, right? And we have to think about it much more holistically than we're doing now. Uh, We're putting a lot of money into public safety, but we're only putting it into police. Mm -hmm. When truly we should be putting it into mental health resources and public health resources as well, because those things actually get to the root of problems. Mm -hmm. Bobby, I'm not against police at all. But I'm not going to be proud of increasing the police force. I want to be someone who is judged off, are we doing the things where we come to the table and say, you know what, now we can decrease mm-hmm. the police force because we're impacting crime mm-hmm. in that sort of way. I want to be someone who is building up Tulsans, not just uh, criminalizing them and locking them up because we aren't able to mm-hmm. to deal with yeah. their with their needs and then deal with the mental health crisis um, that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Do you currently feel that the police department is uh, overfunded? I feel that there is a. Is some, a, I feel that the resources, mm-hmm. yes, the resources are not being used appropriately. So I do not feel that if if we if we have within our budget, $122 million to go towards public safety. I don't feel that $122 million of that should go to, public, to, the, to the police, the police right? Uh-huh. I believe that it should be spread and that uh, there should be money that is going to uh, mental health resources and, again, public health resources mm-hmm. because those are – 
things when you look at uh, determinants um, of crime, those are things that really get down to that. Mm-hmm. And so um, from that perspective, I'm not going to sit there and say that are we spending too much on public safety? I I don't think so. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but I know that we're spending far too much of our public safety budget on just solely police because yeah. we're not putting them in the position to be successful. We're asking our police officers to be social workers. We're asking our police officers to be to doctor, to be mm-hmm. um to be immigration officials. These mm-hmm. are this is not what they are. They got into the force to help people. We need to put them in better position to do that part and then surround them with professionals that are good at these other things. The mm-hmm. public safety is a holistic thing. It's yeah. not just uh, putting you have to when you have to add and add and add police, that means that you're not actually dealing with the problems. You're dealing with the symptoms. Yeah. And that's where we are in the city of Tulsa right now. Yeah. We It's not sustainable. It's not. You know, a lot of times, you know, me, you know, me, I deal with homeless people walking these streets all the time and drug addicts, alcoholics. And I talk to them and I've come to the conclusion we don't have a, enough mental health facilities. Correct to rehab people and get them on the straight and narrow. I talked to some veterans who are walking these streets lost, you know, who are chemically dependent, who need that mental health. And you know how America treats veterans anyway. So, but at the same time, you know, places like West Tulsa and East Tulsa and North Tulsa and some of South Tulsa that have these issues, you know, with mental health, you know, uh, I live in North Tulsa. You know, I'm here and we don't have mental health facilities that even you know, no type of in-house where a drug addict or alcoholic can come to and check themselves in and get some mental health and, and some substance abuse, you know, done away with. So we don't even have those type of uh, things. You know, what we do have is on a very small scale. It's Bobby, so small. And it's done. And, and again, we have such an amazing uh community in Tulsa, right? Mm-hmm. We have such amazing uh, professionals all over Tulsa, abs- all over Tulsa that mm-hmm. are, are able to really to do more with less, quite frankly. And what I'm saying is that we really need to invest in the things that we know work, right? Programs like you're talking about, facilities that you're talking about that are building Tulsans back up, as opposed to just the ones that are locking them away. I'm, I don't want us to be a city that hides from our past in any way. I don't want us to hide from our racial past, right, of inequity. And I don't want us to hide from uh, the fact that uh, we have Tulsans every day that fall into despair and fall into struggle. It's our job uh, as people of faith, Bobby, Mm -hmm. uh, to provide the support that these folks need and get them back on their feet, because ultimately that's going to make our city better. But we have to put our money uh, where our mouth is in that case. Uh, there are there are the professionals out there to help. Uh, there is the ability to have the the number of facilities and things that we need, but we've got to destigmatize mental health. Bobby, yeah. within our own community, That's we have true. to destigmatize mental health. All of us are walking around carrying all sorts of traumas. That's why in Oklahoma they say that. Uh, we have some of the highest ACE scores. ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. That means that all of us are walking around with some of the highest adverse childhood experience scores 
of anywhere in the country. That oh, sort really? of trauma, absolutely. Trauma. trauma. So more you what you're saying in Oklahoma, more people have been traumatized than any other states. We are we are uh, I will get Is that the, what you're saying? I get the exact we are in the we're high, at the top high yeah. tier uh, of the yes. Absolutely. And so we're right up in the top five or top 10 or something. You see that then affecting uh, our kids in schools. One of the again, when you start really digging down and getting into it, and I've had the opportunity over the years that I've been engaged in the city at a at a community level to just talk to people, not just read articles. Mm -hmm. Right. Not just uh, hands on hands on in, Mm -hmm. in the midst. And and you realize that. Actually, the issue with education is not the quality of teacher as much as it is what are we asking the teacher to do, right? Just as when you're talking about with police, what are you asking the policeman to do? So in these schools, Bobby, we're asking our our teachers to be educators, to be uh, social workers, to be mental health professionals, to, to do all of these things because the kids that they're getting are dealing with these adverse childhood experiences. How can I, you're asking me, Bobby, to critically think in class, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what that child is saying in their mind, whether they know it or not is, well, nobody's critically thinking about me and what I need. That's why we have to have mental health professionals mm-hmm. and supports mm-hmm. in the schools, deep in the and, schools. And not just for the children, but for parents, but for too. for the parents as well. They're because they're coming from those homes with that tra- traumatic experience, and the parents don't even know that they need mental counseling as well. Absolutely. So we have mm-hmm. to destigmatize it. We have to look at it as as part and parcel to building up a a citizenry that is going to be ready uh, to to meet the demands of the future. I'm not someone who just simply wants to worry about what's happening right now. We have to be prepared for what we're going into. When you when you're in education, you're building someone up for what they need to be prepared to do. And that is the same perspective that uh, I like to bring into uh, public service. How are we preparing our city? How are we preparing our people to excel for what is going to happen in the future. And that's why I keep talking about taking COVID-19 and the pandemic seriously and saying, wait a minute, Mm. we have to return to a more communal way of living. If not, we aren't going to be able to sustain ourselves. We have to become more sustainable through the earth, Bobby. Mm-hmm. We have to be more sustainable in terms of our urban farming mechanisms and our and and matching technology with with farming so that we're able to support ourselves from a communal basis. Everyone's community, everyone's community needs those uh, needs needs those abilities. The communities that figure that out first, those are the ones that are going to be sustainable and take off into the future. Um, I'm not okay with just doing what we've always done. Same old, same old. Huh? The same old, same old. I think we've got to do something better, and I think that spills out, whether it's public safety, education, housing, uh, or or economics and entrepreneurship. We have to bring in different perspectives and think about, hey, how do we succeed into the future? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, you know, I was told uh, I spoke to a politician down in Houston, Texas, and I talked to them. They were high in the ranks, and they told me they said. Um, if your community is not building schools, 
then your community is not increasing. Hmm. That's what I was told. How you feel about, uh, because he says what it creates is a lot of more different types of schools. I'm not saying necessarily you got to have a public school, but how do you feel about the, the schooling for our children and education? You're in the, you're in the educational process. You deal with it all the time. So how do you feel about it? I think that person is absolutely right. I mean, you don't build a school unless you know that you have people that to are go to school. To go to school, <laughs> there, absolutely right. Yeah. So one plus one is is, is got to equal two, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but but to the heart of your question, uh, we are at a place where again we have to think about what are we actually preparing preparing our kids to be. Uh, people, parents vote with their feet. Uh, parents. Uh, have a responsibility to put their kids in the best position to be successful, and they're going to continue to do that. Uh, What we uh, have a responsibility to do as a city of Tulsa is to promote an infrastructure and an environment where those opportunities exist within our city. Now, what school districts have the responsibility of doing uh, is ensuring that those opportunities exist within their districts, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, to me, the way to create an environment uh, of of success for the future is to combine the K through 12 um, curriculums and directions uh, and align them with our local higher education uh, programs in those directions. And that that is then aligned with um, uh, our industries uh, and hopefully bringing in industries of the future. Why is it that I'm glad that now we're starting to shift from, you know, it used to just be college ready to now it's college and career ready. Bobby, it's actually coming back a little bit. We got away from the home ec classes. We got away from preparing people to to be in trades and be skilled. Skill level trades. Skill level trades. Yeah, we did. And now, now we're actually coming back to it. And that is the direction we need to go. But we also need to combine the expertises of the industries that we want these people to come into so that there's collaboration and integration from companies that we know want to support uh, the, the, the city of Tulsa and that we know need a workforce that is capable of doing the jobs that they need in the city of Tulsa. And so again, when I talk about inclusivity, that's why I say inclusivity equals prosperity. We have to be inclusive of all factors of 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 our of our society and making sure that we're not just edu- you know it's one thing Bobby to to educate somebody but what are you educating them to do <laughs> I want to be able to educate the kids yeah. to get great jobs that are going to be sustainable um into the, entrepreneurs and, and into the future or being entrepreneurs and so mm-hmm. there is a a perspective change again that I think we have to have while still investing in a real way and ensuring that uh, the teachers that are dedicating their lives to our futures um, are being supported in real in real ways. And so we all have game. We all have um, a part to play in this. I've mentioned, I'm talking about education, Bobby, but I've mentioned the, uh, the business community. I've mentioned uh, the health community. Uh, and I've mentioned um, the educational community, and I've mentioned the government. All four of those sectors have a part to play in making sure that we are developing um, the sorts of, of kids that can can meet uh, the challenges uh, that are to come. What is the Are they prepared to meet the world that they're going into? Um, mm-hmm. That's where we have 
to focus. And if you ask me, are we doing that right now? We're not. We're not quite doing that right now. But I do believe we have the potential to. I do believe we have the people to. I just believe we have to put them in position uh, to do so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and by doing so, we can see some growth take Absolutely. place. You know, the current administration. Do you feel like they lack uh, some uh, ability to look into communities, underserved communities? Well, when you say current administration, I really um, I don't want to speak on everybody within the, the office of the mayor. I will. Let me just be very clear. Uh, there are people within the office of the mayor who are who do phenomenal work, right? Because they come from uh, the communities and they understand uh, what what is needed. And so, um, I want to say that I believe that what we're lacking is uh, a mayor that uh, can concern himself more with uh, the needs of of everyday Tulsans than with his own political ambitions. Someone who is willing. Um, to put uh, the safety of Tulsans over politics, somebody who uh, is willing to uh, stand firm uh, with uh, black Tulsans, for instance, instead of and, and Latinx Tulsans, instead of uh, cowering to the pressures of the Fraternal Order of Police or to uh, the pressures of, um, of, of ICE uh, political, you know, as a political uh, philosophy and policy. Uh, I think that uh, we've been given too many big promises uh, from from our mayor uh, and and he's not fo- followed through. And what's sad is the community uh, was behind him. The community was doing all of the work. All he had to do was sign some papers. All he had to do was stay true to his word. Uh, and he didn't do that. The reason I'm running is because he didn't do his job, not because I wanted to be a mayor. That's not my ambition at all. Um, but when somebody's not doing their job and our lives are on the line because of it, somebody had to take a step forward. And so um, I have worked hand in hand with people at the city of Tulsa um, and have accomplished um, many good things, solutions to problems. Uh, but time and time again, uh, it has seemed as if uh, the person holding us back from doing more uh, is is the person uh, who is in charge. Who is in charge? And mm-hmm. and to me, uh, I'm not here to speak on it in a personal level. It's not personal. Yeah, it's personal. just simply saying that mm-hmm. um, policies we and aren't, the policies yeah. that aren't getting done are mm-hmm. are have been affecting for a long time um, people that live outside of that golden corridor bubble. Those of us who are the have not basically Mm -hmm. been affecting us for too long. And eventually those things are going to affect the halves. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to put our foot down, have a leader that is willing to stand for everyone in an intentional way. Otherwise we're all uh, missing out on what, what Mm -hmm. could be in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of believe, and some people may disagree with me, but I believe that our city of Tulsa it's kind of ran by certain families, you know, uh, certain high class families who kind of run the city and they influence the vote and put people in positions. You know, if you're a relative of mine, you run for this, or blah, blah. It's a few. Now, that's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. 
that is ran by certain families. But um, I think we can overcome a lot of that. I think that the, the current, also the current administration selected a black police chief. First time in history. Do you feel that uh, his choice was a good choice or was it maybe uh, just something, a figurehead or someone to put in a position? The process is what I uh, have an issue with. Um, We're running for office, right? Which means people have a choice, Mm -hmm. Bobby. All the community was asking for community, not some in the community. The community as, was a asking, as a whole was asking for was, can we have a national search so that we can ensure that we're finding the very best person for Tulsa? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we actually get the opportunity to ask critical questions of uh, this person that we're uh, selecting to be uh the chief of, of police and um, the mayor, you know, used his power and, and, and chose not to do that. And I think he did that to the detriment of uh, chief Wendell Franklin. Um, I believe that chief Wendell Franklin, I have no reason to believe chief Wendell Franklin is not a good man and not a good officer. This is a black man that grew up in North Tulsa that has achieved heights that no other black man has ever achieved. I, I can't do anything but respect that. Uh, but I also am, am have been disheartened by uh, the many different times that Chief Franklin uh, has seemed to shy away from engaging with the very community that he came from. And it's not just about not being, you know, talking to, to me personally and or anything like that. It's many folks that he has decided not to speak with. And even when you look at the latest uh, report that comes out about we're not going to engage uh, community in our use of force policy. I, I just, I think that there is, he's been led astray. I think there's uh, pressures on him. And I think that because of those, he's, he's the decisions that he's uh, outlining are, are not the best for uh, the future of the relationships between Tulsa citizens and the Tulsa police department. And, and the reason I say that Bobby is that it is true what he says that, uh, as a citizen, we aren't experts in what it means to be a police. I, you would agree, right? You're not an expert in what it means to be a police, oh, correct? Oh, no, okay. no, not at all. But, Bobby, are police then experts in what it means to be policed? I don't believe they are. Experts? In being policed. No. They're no, not. They're not. Right? So how can you how can you have a use of force policy? that holistically does what it needs to do if you're not engaging the people who are on the other side of that use of force. And to me, it is a pattern of which uh, Mayor Bynum has shown and now a pattern that that, that Wendell Franklin is incorrectly picking up to cl- keep things between closed doors when they're afraid of, uh, of bringing people into the process and what that might mean. I'm going to bring one other thing up here, Bobby. Okay. I find it I find it strange that we didn't need a national search when it came to a police chief because we had what it took in Tulsa. But when it came to finding a firm to do community policing and to research that, 
we couldn't choose locally. We had to go and choose nationally. Wow. I just, is that ironic to you? Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So I I would just like, again, consistency in leadership. Um, I would like for people to really stand on uh, what they said they were going to stand on. Mayor Bynum uh, said that uh, that race was a, a the number one, I believe, issue is what he said. Uh, and yet he has failed to acknowledge racial bias policing. Uh, he has failed to stand on the size, not just of black uh, Tulsans, but of uh, Latinx Tulsans, yeah. Tulsans, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I can only I can only guess why. But when you look at it, uh, you see him being pushed by whether it's the Fraternal Order of Police or or Donald uh, Trump, it always seems to be a political push that's keeping him from making good on the things that he said. But I can just tell you that we are not going to improve the relations between police and Tulsans if we don't start being more open, if we don't start being more vulnerable in leadership, if we don't start truly leading uh, start trying well, to mold it. consensus instead of and building relationships for and building real relationships and getting to the guts of things and being honest about saying, hey, we do have issues here. Mm-hmm. Right. And calling those things out, not allowing for police officers who say racist things to remain on the police force, mm-hmm. which is what we're doing. Yeah. We're allowing that to happen. huh? Not allowing for officers who uh, harass teenagers. In their own neighborhood, all the time, to stay on the police force, mm-hmm. and just we just say we just say something about it so it can get in the newspaper, mm-hmm. but then we don't have any intention behind it, and, and so there's and a, that's all over Tulsa. It's, 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 all, not, it's not just North Tulsa; it's not. West Tulsa, East Tulsa, South Tulsa. That's all that's over. That's why Tulsa. I didn't say a direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's when you go talk to people. This is the hypocrisy that people see, and this is the frustration that people have. Bobby, there were. Seven other candidates who announced for mayor. I know. I know a couple of them. All of them weren't from North mm-hmm. Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Not many of them were from North Tulsa, quite frankly. The mm-hmm. majority were from other parts of the city. And so that tells you that in order to truly have unity, it can't be a false unity. That Right. Dr. King talks to us about that in a letter from Birmingham. Jail. Mm-hmm. He talks to us about that false unity, which is a commitment to order, you could say law and order, a commitment to order than to justice. You could say truth and justice. For too long in the city of Tulsa, we have been more committed to a false peace characterized by order than to a real peace, which is characterized by tension and building relationships and finding out how we truly uh, get over our differences. And that is characterized by truth and justice. And that is the candidate uh, that I want to be because that's the person that I am, not a perfect individual, but somebody who is always committed to justice, regardless of the personal cost, Uh, willing to say, hey, uh, I will tell Tulsa this is the decision we need to make because it's best for Tulsa. You can hate me. That's okay. My job is not for you to like me. My job is to make the best decisions for the city of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. We're on the radio with uh, Greg Robinson for mayor. We're going to take a little break 
And uh, we're going to come right back. So we want you guys to stick around. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way. KBOB 89.9 FM. We're going to be right back. So stick around. Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American community? The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to The Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Toll with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry-out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janet. Hey, y'all, this is Greg Robinson running for mayor of Tulsa. I'm glad to be at KBLB 89.9. Y'all make sure to support Black Radio and make sure to support the community by going out, registering to vote, and voting on August 25th. Visit Greg Robinson for Tulsa.com. Appreciate y'all. Denise Parker with Midtown Embroidery. We do it all for many promotional screen printing, embroidery, school uniforms, Greek lettering, workwear, monogramming. There's no job too big or too small and no location too far. Let us be your one-stop shop. We're located at 2808 East 15th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74104. Our phone number is 918-982-3254. Our email address is midtown at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Tulsa Midtown Embroidery. What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to K-Bob, 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Lester Trotman. It's that Trotman. And when we in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we always listen to Oh, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. And uh, Brother Greg Robinson is in here for mayor. And we've been talking about some of the issues that are needed here. Uh, in the community of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we want everybody to get out and vote for Greg. You know, and uh, Greg, uh, moving forward, uh, we got a few more minutes left on the show. Um, what do you think we as a people here in our communities can do? It's, I'm thinking education is one thing because I know that we fall real low on the totem pole uh, throughout the United States. I, I see as education. So what are some of the things we can do to help 
boost that level of education, man, because we're pretty low. We're down on the bottom. I heard that Oklahoma and Louisiana and a couple of Mississippi states like that, we're on the bottom of the totem pole. And we got a lot of teachers who pack up out of Oklahoma and leave and go to Texas and go to other places because of the wages. So what can we do to rectify some of that, to bring that educational level up? Absolutely. So, again, Bobby, when we're talking about education, it's not just of our young uh, future doctors, lawyers, radio hosts and things like that, but it's also of the community itself. Uh, And that's where, uh, as a municipality, we can honestly do more. Uh, We can get out and hold and host forums. We can get on virtual spaces. We can ensure that we identify uh, the groups locally, groups like KBOB 89, not to come on and and do that consistent sort of education. And it doesn't always have to be uh, the mayor of Tulsa. You know, it can be someone within the, the staff, but continuing uh, to, to communicate and touch uh, the citizens of Tulsa so that we get a more informed citizenry uh, is just as important, in my opinion, as investing uh, deeply and ensuring that we're supporting uh, our uh, professionals within our school districts that are in, that are bringing up our our, our kids. Um, another piece that we don't talk about a lot or haven't talked about on this show yet is early childhood development. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, you know that is a space that I'm becoming more and more familiar with because I obviously deal with with pre-K uh, scholars. And um, I mean, I, when I was growing up, you know, Grandma Call was my that was my uh, pre-K uh, <laughs> school, okay? Okay, grandma. <laughs> and, yeah, grandma call. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, and so um, there are many, many folks that are educators in uh, whether it's home daycares or whether they've uh, built buildings now and are providing daycares that we need to figure out how we can collaborate publicly and privately to also support them in the spaces that are bringing up our kids from that critical zero um, you know, to, to four uh, age to really prepare them in the best way to get that jump start. And um, they are business owners themselves, Bobby. They they need upgrades in, in their facilities. They need access to, uh, you know, the best new ways of, of educating minds um, because we yeah. trust them. Yeah. We trust them. Computers, to, laptops. To be with our business. Absolutely. And so you know, how are we how are we supporting um, those heroes on a daily basis that are caring for for our kids. Again, you think about being in the midst of COVID, uh, when you're going to have to have kids in very small uh, segments, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't. You're not going to have 50 kids. You're not going to have 20, 30 kids. You're going to need to have five kids, mm-hmm. seven kids, right? Split in half on split exactly. Mm-hmm. And so these areas, these. Uh, industries are going to become extremely critical. These these uh, professionals are going to become extremely critical. What are we doing to invest in them and supporting them uh, to help us uh, educate um, our kids? And so, again, it's, it's having that perspective. And, I, and Bobby, I learned that literally walking uh, from, from daycare center to daycare center and talking to these daycare owners about the struggles that they have in terms of getting the support that they need. Um, to provide uh, the sort of, of jump start in education. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't go to uh, CAP. Everybody can't go to 
um, Educare, right? Those are those are great and nothing, absolutely wonderful. But everybody can't go to them, right? Uh, so for those that uh, prefer to have their spaces in, in home daycare, day, daycare spaces and smaller spaces, uh, we have to be more supportive of the men and women in those industries. That's how we grew up. And frankly, Bobby, that's how the rest of America was taught, mm-hmm. right? About grandmama now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so let's not abandon grandmama now, now because we need them now more than ever. Yeah, we do need them. Um, with the president of the United States saying, stating that uh, schools will get their funding cut if they don't open up. How do you feel about that, man? Him saying something like, uh, you know, you're not going to get no money. You got to open these schools. Well, he's that's a, almost a, like a threat. Well, he he is a threat in himself, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he has threatened and he has done the damage, frankly, that we knew he would do. Uh, I worked for Secretary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, campaign. I, I fought every single day. I remember day you were there for, for two years. I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there in Iowa. I was there in Oklahoma. I was mm-hmm. there in Iowa. I was there in Alabama. I was there in Missouri. You're traveling I was there around, in Florida, doing traveling, it all, fighting. Because mm-hmm. I knew uh, that the hatred, the racial rhetoric, the divisiveness that he was spewing, uh, the 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 egocentric uh, talk uh, was not something uh, that was going to be good for America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has proven uh, not to be. And, and as things happen, sometimes the worst things happen uh, when when the worst people to be in leadership are there. And certainly that has happened now. And so, uh, you know, I think we cannot get to November 3rd fast enough uh, to get a, a, a true leader into the into the White House, somebody who is going to be a better representative Way of, better. of this country. Uh, we are just we're a better country. Mm-hmm. than what uh, Donald Trump is is having people uh, believe us to be. And he's really dragging us mm-hmm. down. And, you know, right. you know, I correspond with a lot of uh, friends that I have mm-hmm. overseas yeah. because I was overseas for a few years. I lived over there. And uh, they're actually kind of laughing at Trump. Say, Man, what kind of leader do you guys have over there now in the United States? They're cracking jokes and about this man and his policies, his procedures, because he said he said some very disturbing things. You know, he called uh, Maxine Waters low IQ. He called his own buddy Omarosa a dog. He called the NFL sons of bitches, you know, and he called, uh, talked about LeBron. Uh, a lot of African-Americans, he, attacked, he talked about the, the, the Hispanics broke their families up. Lock the kids up, man, and split them from their parents, you know, and then grab women in the pee, you know, and all of this stuff that he's done and said just openly like, hey, just on the fly with no integrity, uh, no type of moral standards, because you're representing the people. So, I mean, but one thing I give him credit for, I'm going to give him credit for this. He has brought some awareness to us as a people and made us just kind of like wake up and say, whoa, look at this. You know, that was evident. One thing that was evident was when he decided he was going to come here on Juneteenth to Tulsa, Oklahoma. He said he was going to come. They advised him, no, don't go on Juneteenth. Go on the next day. So he came on the next day. And we were ready down here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, waiting to see if that move was going to even take place, in which it didn't. But for an arena that housed 
19,000 people and only 6,000 or 6,200 of them showed up, showed us that something is up and people are trying to be cautious of the COVID. That's one thing. And plus, they didn't want to support that particular event. And they say he was furious. He was mad and furious. And and then on top of that, some of his aides ended up with the virus. So, and then I happened to see him on television one day. Since he's been so against wearing a mask, I saw him on TV wearing a mask. How do you feel about all of that, man, with uh, someone who's spewing all of this poison and stuff to the country? Why was he here in the first place, Bobby? He shouldn't have been here in the first place. In the first place. How could you allow, as the governor of Oklahoma, how could you allow, as the mayor of Tulsa, you know if he didn't know what Juneteenth was to people in Texas and in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. You know if he didn't know what the Tulsa race massacre was and what Black Wall Street is uh, to black people across the country and to your constituents here in in the city of Tulsa and the state of Oklahoma. You had a responsibility to protect your citizens of all races and classes from the threats of COVID-19. And yet, you stood out on a tarmac with no mask on, laughing and yucking it up, having the time of your life. And now, just a few weeks later, we are now in the red in terms of, of COVID-19 spread. Mm. Wow. That's deep. It's a matter of life and death. It is. And we chose political positioning over prioritizing the life. safety, life, and prosperity of Tulsa. I'm not even going to speak on Donald Trump because we everything you said, we already knew before he decided right. to exactly. come to Tulsa about it. Yeah. What I'm disappointed in is the fact that we didn't have the people that were sworn to protect us. Protecting us. Yeah. Greg Robinson for mayor, man. I want to thank you, man, for coming out of your busy schedule. I know you're getting ready to move and stuff like that, man. Hey, this platform's always open for you. Like you at home, so you, you already know that. But um, come by any time, any place, and, you know, just do what you do. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Bobby. Appreciate what you do. Appreciate those listeners. We have to continue supporting uh, Black Radio, KBOB 89.9. This is uh, an amazing, amazing platform. I appreciate you. So, well, we need that support, man. Hey, vote for Greg Robinson. You, you guys get out, tell a family member, tell a friend. You have until the, 20, uh, the 31st of this month to register. And if you need to register and you're over here in North Tulsa, you can come by 1533 North Norfolk. I got some farms over here. Or you can go online and register. There's a lot of ways to register to vote. We need every vote we can get. All right. It's been a good show. Uh, We are taking donations over here uh, at Eaton Media Services. Cash App if you want to. Eaton Media Services on the Cash App. And we got a bucket over here for the Youth the Juice Radio Show. Young people coming together doing radio their way. If you need to contact us, contact us at eatonmusic2 at gmail.com, or you can also call us at 
832-443-9499. Again, that number is 832-443-9499. All right. We're going to take off, and uh, we really appreciate uh, your support. Until the next time, we want you to have a good one. Take care, okay?
Ladies and gentlemen, the all-new KBOB 89.9 FM, Black on Black Community Radio. 